chapter twenty of the book of love by paolo montegazza this librivox recording is in the public domain rights and duties of love love me you must love me this is a cry of sorrow that often man utters and oftener a forsaken woman but it generally is a vain cry to demand love as a right is one of the greatest follies it is like asking poetry of the slave of thought or expecting to find the perfumes of the rose and the cedar in the frigid zones that glaciate the head and the feet of our planet lovers however have always the right to hurl into space another cry of sorrow you must not betray me better to snatch from one's hand the cup of love and shatter it into a thousand pieces than stealthily to pour into it the poison of betrayal or the wormwood of indifference love bursts forth spontaneously from the human heart and draws all its beauty and strength from the infinite freedom of the horizon in which it moves the laws that govern it are as simple as the simplest law of elementary physics to attract to unite to render love for love sweetness for sweetness to give joy to those who give us so much joy make happy those who make us happy such is its law if love were only a contact of hearts and thoughts if having ascended to heaven you have descended from it without an angel if in your embraces you have not rekindled the torch of life greet each other as friends bless the happy hours that your love has conceded you and preserve in the most precious casket and among the dearest things the memory of the time that is no more never close a day of paradise with a blasphemy or a remorse the tears of regret for what you have lost can be the dew of a summer night that tempers the ardour of the enamoured corollas but your tears should not be cursed by a lie a betrayal an insult the only right that of not being deceived has its counterpart in a very simple duty that of making oneself beloved you cannot command love but through beauty of form quickness of mind voluptuous grace of movements or virtues of the heart you have awakened the affection of affections if you know how to preserve it you will be loved for ever on the very first page of every code of love at the beginning of every gospel of two lovers i would always write this sentence not to be loved is always a great fault and you will find this sentence written in a hundred different forms in the pages of my book ask the most fortunate of women if she has not often felt impelled to reconquer a love that threatened to fly away she jealously conceals the numberless stratagems with which she warmed the tepid aroused the sleeping caused the wearied to smile made hungry and thirsty him who had the happy misfortune of overgorging himself at the banquet of voluptuousness man is by nature polygamous more unfaithful more brutal more capricious more licentious than woman and it is her duty to make him monogamous faithful constantly tender and modestly virile if it is true that man attacks and conquers it is also very true that nature assigns to woman the more difficult task of keeping the conquest of being the vestal of that fire which man has nearly always been the first to kindle this is perhaps the most common formula that expresses the different missions which man and woman have in love to us to kindle the fire to our companion to keep it burning by all that you hold most sacred on earth do not be so brutal 
as to record the embrace among the rights and duties of love this is written in the code and is daily repeated by those boeotians for whom love is but the union of male and female voluptuousness should be inebriating foam that floats on the quivering wave of passion and overflows and falls irresistibly into those abysses where man loses the consciousness of existence and believes in the infinite it cannot be a feast ordered for a stated hour much less a tribute exacted with the rudeness of a tax-collector how many delicate loves were extinguished by the sacrilegious hand of an arrogant desire which would assume the air of command and tread the ground with the iron boot of an alleged right no the embrace is not a right and much less a duty it is a unanimous consent of two powerful energies that seek each other through infinite space and suavely struggling against each other die together in an ocean of sweetness sincerity and fidelity which are after all an identical thing and constitute the entire code of love should never be on the lips of two lovers and the words right and duty should be debarred from the amorous vocabulary whoever loses his time in discussing the beauties of the sun who doubts that air is necessary to live when certain things begin to be discussed they are already in serious danger of being lost and if a continuous vexatious investigation should at every hour cast the shadow of doubt upon the faithfulness of one's companion the latter would have the right of feeling wretchedly loved or at least cruelly loved i do not fear sudden anger between two lovers or the querulous and tender lamentations but i have a deep horror of every question about right and duty when these discourses appear on the horizon i always see at the same time dark clouds massing i see looming up the horns of balzac's tawny moon are the rights of love equal in man and woman no a thousand times no i say so in a loud voice and after the first white hairs in a wide experience permit me to believe that i speak without anger or love no the sin of infidelity is not the same in adam and in eve in the latter it is a hundred times greater as a right and before the courts all parties are equal but man and woman differ too greatly to be punished in the same measure if the code is one the jurors are a thousand many are the accusers many the lawyers and the sentence of amorous betrayal has already been pronounced by all civilized nations and always in the same manner this unanimous consent was not imposed by the arrogance of men who alone were the legislators before the courts and judges in the form of public opinion no this unanimous consent was dictated by a deep consciousness of social necessities by a more profound and subtler justice that descends into the inmost recess of things to find the roots of that awkward and superficial justice which asserts that all men are equal before the law how false this dogma is can be sufficiently proved by the history of the jury system one of the institutions on which our century seems to pride itself from man society exacts a hundred different and difficult virtues he must give his blood for his country and the sweat of his brow for his family and for society he must be strong ambitious he must not allow himself to be corrupted by gold or the seductions of vanity a physician he must throw himself into the inglorious and tremendous battle of epidemic a soldier he must hold his head high in the face of murderous fire a lawyer he must resist the temptations of gold and ambition a statesman he must fight against himself against his family for the welfare of his country 
defender of the weak of the shipwrecked of the poor natural defender of the female half of the human species and of all the individuals who are of no value to society he is a warrior perpetually under arms and should he neglect one of his duties he is branded as a coward society despises him woman does not want him every one ignores him woman on the contrary can be coward in the face of fire of work of contagion and of all the battles of life she can be ignorant and timorous and still be loved and esteemed by all for in her weakness approaches grace and it is so sweet to us to take the faint-hearted dove to our bosom and comfort her with our courage defend her with our strength and even blunders are amusing when pronounced by the beautiful lips of a beloved woman we forgive her if she very rarely reaches the height of genius and more rarely than we attain the average height of the great intellectual minds we forgive her if she has no profession if she does not earn her bread with work of her we ask only one thing fidelity from her we exact only one virtue fidelity pray o most gentle and divine companions on what side does the scale of the balance fall certainly not our side woman may be humble ignorant tremble at every leaf that quivers at every wing that vibrates in the air but she should be faithful to him who loves her she may yield to everything but must resist the seductions of defiant glances and the corruptions of golden vanity she should be the heroine of sentiment as we are the heroes of all the battles of life she is the vestal of our heart and blood while we are fighting in one field for her for the name she bears for the honour of our children she should assiduously and faithfully watch the sacred fire of fidelity that it may not die out through neglect or be overthrown and extinguished by the hurricane this virtue only we ask of her is it perhaps too much what is her duty then what is the difficult struggle that shall give her also the mark of character and make her equal to us worthy to be our companion if she is beautiful we are strong if she is graceful we are gifted for her we have conquered our planet subdued the lightning destroyed the beasts of prey invented arts created sciences but neither beauty nor grace nor wit is sufficient for a man to deem himself civilized there are imposed on us a thousand dangers on her but one that of seduction we are dragged into a hundred battles she has only to gain victory over the senses from us the world expects a hundred virtues from her but one faith are we then tyrants are we too exacting with her whom we love so much for whom we do everything to whom we dedicate all our thoughts our glories our dreams and our labours but there is another powerful reason for which the duties of love are differently distributed between man and woman man by the special mission which his sex imposes on him is a sudden aggressor and has organic necessities which are unknown to woman and which he can satisfy with the rapidity of lightning without losing his love he may have a caprice more fleeting than the lightning flash and which once vanished leaves behind not even a pinch of ashes i neither praise nor justify these sudden surprises of the senses these passing infidelities but i describe them because i find them frequently in the aggressive and petulant nature of the virile sex woman instead must defend herself man loses a great part of energy in the tooth that bites and in the claws that firmly hold the prey woman draws in her horns like the snail does in the spires of its labyrinth and languidly and voluptuously concealed in the foam of her shell of love allows herself to be caressed she loses nothing in the struggle for conquest and she is wholly consumed in the delights of letting herself be loved woman also 
may have caprices of the senses but they are light clouds which no sooner appear than they are dissolved in the deep azure of the skies and do not become ardent desires until the human claws press and condense them woman is silent even when she desires very weak in the attack she is formidable in the defence and has in herself so much energy as to stop and disarm a legion of combatants with much shrewdness she defends her weakness every day telling us that seductions wage war upon her from all quarters while we are the first to seek the opportunities of sin this is one of the most insidious sophisms but it is also one of the weakest arguments of defence man attacks and assails simply because he is a man and could not wait for the seductions to come to him without condemning himself to be a eunuch and without inverting the most elementary and most inexorable laws of nature nor would a woman commit less of a sacrilege in turning from the defensive to the offensive profaning her sex and violating nature in that which it holds most sacred and immutable not in vain has nature made the human female a virgin and denied us the sorrowful virtue of virginity the woman who yields to the first amorous purency is a messalina the man who darts the first arrow of love is a warrior who with wise prudence prepares the weapons for the long battle that awaits him man begins with yes and i will woman begins and ends with no and i will not the sudden caprice of the senses is in her harassed by so many physical social and religious impediments that she must really be more than an amazon to overthrow them in a single dash everything incites man to a swift assault which perhaps does not even bruise the epidermis of his heart everything defends woman from these caprices to yield she must have had a long struggle against nature and society laws and religions offer her a thousand allies for defence and not once in a hundred times she can say without touching the frontiers of prostitution i had a caprice no one believes in the efficiency of overbearingness much less woman herself unless she should need this faith to justify her own sin in love every fault every crime even patricide and incest are possible but not theft let woman never profane herself nor spoil the cause often very just which she defends by speaking of seduction and violence let her rather speak of the irresistible impulse of vengeance of the law of retaliation let her discuss the natural right because there she is on the ground of truth and justice let her complain aloud because in the human organism she is the left side the weakest the least honoured and the most oppressed let her demand the right to love and to be loved but never ask equality of punishment for sins too disparate nor does society measure human guilt only according to the reckoning of the natural right but the more sorrow a crime generates and the more it offends human needs the more severe the punishment inflicted by society have you ever thought of the various consequences of a caprice of infidelity according as a man or a woman is guilty for man the caprice of an hour is a stain that tarnishes the bright mirror of a sworn faith of an immaculate and sublime love but a few moments afterward a new kiss more ardent and pregnant with the pungent aroma of remorse revives love perhaps more intensely and makes impossible for long years perhaps forever another sudden infidelity the amorous caprice may be a blasphemy that breaks forth from the lips of a saint but which is immediately deterred by a wave of holy prayer it is the weakness of a robust runner who stumbles against a stone but proudly resumes his way 
and with energetic steps recovers the space lost a hundredfold the amorous caprice of a woman may in a single instant procreate a bastard poison the wave of milk and honey of an entire family so a generation of fraternal hatreds of infinite sorrows overflow into a vast field inundating everything with wormwood and gall in man such a caprice is a stain in woman a gangrene in man a wound by a pin in woman the caries of a bone in man a leaf that falls in woman a hurricane that fells a whole forest in man a misdemeanor in woman a felony in man the remorse of an hour in woman a monument of infamy that time will never efface End of chapter twenty 